0: Hey Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in. I'm your host Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our Favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. And thankfully I'm here to talk about a very good week for Miami 3-0 week that makes it the win streak four in a row, improves Miami to 16 and 15 overall record, first time all season that they have been over 500 celebrations all around and extra celebrations for Tyler Hero who has had a phenomenal potentially breakout week uh over these last few games but go through as we usually do just go through the games real quick take get some highlights and takeaways from them we go back to last Wednesday where the Miami beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on the road, 110 to 108. So this was coming off of the Pacers game that was the absolute rock fight, 87-82, the Monday prior. So still on the road, going to Wednesday. Scored a little bit better. Defense gave up a little bit more, but most importantly, walked away with the W. And this is also a game uh, where the Heat would be without both Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent again, like the the Vincent injury. I'm going to have to look into going forward, because it's been quite a bit for Vincent being out now, but Jimmy Butler being out, this kind of made sense. Uh, This is a back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday against Oklahoma City Thunder, Thursday against Houston Rockets. Uh, From what I learned, Jimmy Butler is from the Houston area, so it kind of makes sense like, hey, Jimmy, we want you to play just one of these two, pick which one you want to play, and he chooses the one that's closer to home for him. But for this Wednesday game against the uh, Thunder, no Jimmy Butler. Uh, this is a game where Miami really got out ahead, uh, mainly off of their three-point shooting, which is always fantastic to see, just to try to get some regression to the norm for what's been a pretty steep drop-off so far in a three-point shooting this year. But shot over 50% from three in the first half. We're able to build a 21-point lead at one point against the Thunder before going on, giving up a 12-3 to run to close out the first half. Heat would still be up 12 at least until the start of the third quarter. The Thunder went on a 10-0 run to just completely open it up. The third, make it a game again, back and forth all throughout the third. Heat managed to be up two going into the fourth. The fourth itself, also a lot of back and forth, pretty much came down to a tie game, 108-108, Ball in Tyler Hero's hands because our usual closer Jimmy Butler's not there. He's resting that night. So hey, Hero, now's your chance. Now's your chance, right? This is what he has always said he wanted. These are the moments that he wants to play for, and we got to see what he got to do with it. In this case, he rather than just tried to settle for a pull up three or something like that, drove to a spot in the mid range, pulled up, absolutely drained it. Like I think, barely moved the net to put the heat up by two with five seconds left for a heat win. And yeah, rolling right with that, you got to talk about Tyler Hero in this game. 35 points to go along with uh, three rebounds, two assists, shooting 12 of 23 from the field, nine of 17 from three. Just phenomenal three-point shooting. A little bit from the line, just 2-2 from the line. And one turnover but really we're here to talk about the threes. It was a career high tying career high for him in a three pointers made with nine and a lot of them coming off of assists because that's something that we had talked about a few weeks back about how hero needed to I think that hero needs to make more of an effort to be more of a catch and shoot threat. Well he was more of a catch through threat tonight and he tied a career high in a three pointers made. And lastly, for this game, real quick, shout-outs to Victor Oladipo, finished uh, 4 of 8 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3-point, 12 points overall, and Duncan Robinson, also 4 of 8 from the field, all of it from 3, 14 points in total, uh, stepping up to be solid bench contributors. That's 26 points between the two of them for a heat bench unit that has been struggling in recent weeks. So that also helped to prop up the scoring. So... You know, again, like we're just looking at this as you got that first win against the Pacers, you get that next win against the Thunder. Now you got to turn around. You have a road back to back against the Houston Rockets the following Thursday in a game that the Heat won 111 to 108, very similar score. So yeah, second night of a road back to back, and while they would get Butler back, <laughs> the Heat would lose way more. This would be a game that they would be without. Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Gay Vincent again, Victor Oladipo, and Dwayne Dedman. All those make sense. Lowry, second night of a back-to-back. Vincent still has injury. Oladipo, second night of a back-to-back. Dedman, second night of a back-to-back. Those are three either old or more injury-prone players. Bam looks like he tweaked his ankle a little bit near the end of the Wednesday game against the Thunder, so just being cautious in the Thursday game against the Rockets. Go ahead and pull him out. So a game where it was primarily going to be a lot of Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler, especially with like Bam, Lowry, um, yeah, and Oladipo all being out. But the game itself, fairly closed game until about halfway through the second quarter, Miami broke out to open up a 14-point lead. Uh, at halftime, the big decider for this game in particular, Heat being plus eight on free throws with Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero doing a lot of the, that free throw generation and more so just limiting the Rockets. I think they only had like four free throws in the first half. So again, just like great job not fouling there mainly. Then as we got into the third quarter as well, Heat kept that lead around double digits most of the way but until about two-thirds of the way through the third quarter. And then they found themselves on the wrong end of a 13-2 to run. Heat only up one going into the fourth. So, you know, we saw this in the game night before against the Thunder where Heat blew a big lead. And not as big of a lead tonight against the Rockets, but still that same thing where they, they blew the lead. Uh, as we got into the fourth, the Rockets took a very brief lead before Tyler Hero nailed back-to-back threes to put the Heat up. And then the Heat continued to build upon that until they had a 12 point lead as well, with about five minutes left. And at that point, they had 111 points, which, if you remember the final score being 111 to 108, tells you that the Heat did not score for the last five minutes of the game. Fortunately for them, they have an elite defense, and that managed to ride them out, um, surviving this game as the Rockets were, they just could not chip away enough. Uh, to tie it up or take the lead but hey heat win you still always take it and kind of like before like if you thought what Tyler Hero did the night before was good uh against the Rockets even better Tyler Hero career high 41 points along with six rebounds two assists a steal a block but the big one 41 points on 13 of 20 from the field 10 of 15 from three five of five from the line Of course, uh, the nine that he made the night before tied his career high. The 10 that he made Thursday was his career high now and ties a heat franchise record for three-pointers made in a game. So, I mean, 30 of his 41 points just came from knocking down threes. And like before, a good amount of them were assisted on by other players. So just letting that come to him easy and being more of that spacing threat. But really alongside with Tyler Hero, you also got to give props to, again, Jimmy Butler, 20 points, 10 rebounds, so got the double-double, seven assists as well on 7-13 from the field, 0-1 from three, 6-10 from the line. Jimmy Butler saw that Tyler Hero had it going, so Butler decided to be more of the distributor and obviously worked out to great effect. That's 61 points between the two of them, over half of Miami's point total. And Butler going, hey, I'll settle into the distributor role. Hero, you keep cooking. And yeah, winning formula. So at this point, we're on a three-game winning streak. Now going into the San Antonio Spurs to finish it off. This is a Spurs team that did beat this Heat team at home a week prior. So it's not like we were going to walk in and think this is going to be an easy one either. This is a team that literally beat us not too long ago but a game that the heat won at the spurs 111 to 101 so again just similar score but a game that the heat got an early uh, first quarter lead in the spurs then answered and then literally the two teams kept it pretty close some lead changes back and forth until the end of the third quarter itself the heat would take over the fourth quarter built a pretty solid double-digit lead. They were up 11 with about three minutes left when what seemed a little uncharacteristic to me, three minutes left down 11, that's still... It's not the easiest winnable game, but it is still a winnable game, especially in today's NBA with the amount of three-pointers that are being shot. But with three minutes left, Greg Popovich pretty much pulled all his starters through in the bench um, and, you know, in a way forfeited the game because he wasn't playing his best players at that point. A little unusual, but also maybe potentially some stealth tanking by the Spurs, where they, you know, they could be competitive for most of the game, and then they just like, hey, we're down, we're just going to call it early, and make sure that we secure this loss as they continue on in their attempt on the Wimbanyama sweepstakes. But hey, I'll still take it. Uh, for the game itself, the ones that big that really stood out, Bam Metabio, 22 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, 11 of 18 from the field, no threes or free throws, just all from within the arc itself. Team high, plus 29 points, and team high, 18 field goal attempts. So, got out there, got aggressive, was impactful on both ends. And, again, like the plus 29, I think, shows... That this was another one of those nights where there was a steep drop off from Bam to like a Dwayne Deadman, where the reason that Bam is so 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 high is because of how much the team got hurt uh, when he went out and Deadman went onto the court, which, given his age and the and the injury, uh, is understandable for Deadman, but it's just something that has to be said because it's something that, you know, some nights is good, some nights is bad. But still, Bam Adebayo, <laughs> phenomenal player as always. Jimmy Butler primarily cruising through this game. Uh, team high, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 9 of 15 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 7 of 10 from the line. Just, yeah, like I said, just Jimmy Butler in cruise chill mode, coasting along to what ended up being a pretty easy heat win. And though Tyler Hero did cool off a good bit, this game, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists on 6-16 six of 16 from the field, 3-9 of nine from 3, 6-6 six, six from the line. Uh, he did cool a bit, but was being more of the distributor, kind of in opposite to what was happening with Jimmy Butler in the Rockets game prior. Jimmy Butler was in a little bit more attack mode, and then Bam Adebayo being uh, in a bit of attack mode as well. Hero just primarily like, hey, The defense is starting to collapse on me because I just had back-to-back you know, 35, 41-point games. The defense is coming on me and let me pass it out to Jimmy and Bam, let them do a little more damage, which is a good sign from Tyler here. That's what we want to see. If the defense isn't going to let you get those easy shots, then let them collapse on you, and and that means somebody else is going to be more open, so take advantage that way. That's how you get a more efficient offense as a whole. Offense was good enough tonight, though. Uh, defense a little bit better, holding the Spurs one hundred and one points, and what ended up being Miami's first double digit win since November twelfth against the Hornets, and capping off a four zero week. Oh, sorry, yeah, three zero week since the last time I did the pod. Four zero road trip, and to get the Heat back over five hundred. Moving on from the games now, for this next segment, I just pretty much want to talk about what I think are the two big questions surrounding the Heat at this particular moment in time. One, is Tyler Hero taking a leap to potentially an all-star level player? And then two, what does that mean for the Heat, and are they actually rounding the corner into an elite team? For the first part, is Tyler Hero breaking out into an all-star level player? Maybe, uh, like the last week definitely has like cracked the door open a little bit and is starting to generate some interest. That's gonna happen when you drop thirty five and forty one points on back to back nights, but in terms of, but so now it becomes a question of consistency, right? Can you consistently play? You know, maybe not necessarily at the production level if the defense is really keying in on you, but. Having that kind of impact, right? Where the defense has to limit you from scoring 35 plus points a game. Potentially, yeah. It really, I think, comes down to whether or not Hero can find the balance between generating his own offense and being the floor spacer complementary type player. So, like already at his base, he is a quality starter, averaging 21.6 rebounds, four assists on 46 percent from the field 41 percent from free for the three-point line 90 percent from the free throw line it's really great shooting splits if there was a way that he can get his field goal percentage up a little bit more he'd be 50 40 90. he is a legit three level scorer that can score in all variety of ways whether that's through pick and roll pull-ups catch and shoot one dribble relocate uh pull-ups from mid-range floaters inside moves, all of it. Can even draw some fouls uh, on occasion. Not a great foul drawer, but has it just enough that the defense has to think about it a little bit. And then obviously we know he's just a knockdown three-point shooter. So offensively has all kinds of gifts. Really the big knock on Hero is that he is somewhat athletically limited which he is still young and growing, so that is subject to change, but is not guaranteed to change. And that little distinction uh, matters a lot and it's kind of sways how you view his future. You know, I could see people saying, oh, this is the limit of what he is because he never gets athletically any better. And I want to lean more on the hopeful side and say he can get a little bit better, so maybe he's not quite as limited as you think. But athletic limitations aside in terms of mentality and feel for the game Tyler Hero is definitely elite you he can see the angles he understands where to be and just as important he has that like desire for the moment like he doesn't sh- shrink or shy away from a potential game winning basket he does like what he did against the thunder last week where he says hey i'm going to go get to that spot right there i'm going to rise up and I'm going to drain a very smooth jumper in your face for a game-winning basket. And then he proceeds to go do it. Which, that ability to just get a bucket at the end of a game when defense is completely locked in and the moment is at its absolute highest peak, that's one of the most valuable skills in the NBA period. So even if Hero just continues to be what he is right now, he's still, at the very least, a quality starter-level player. The thing is he's continued to improve as a player and even at age 23 he still has more room to grow. And the improvement has been on both sides of the court. So we we already we've always talked about Tyler Hero as like hey, he's bad on defense. If he could just be neutral on defense and he's so good on offense that that, that you know Everything tilts in the positive direction when that happens. But the good news is he's starting to become neutral on defense. If you look at just some basic defensive metrics, which always take the grain of salt of defense is I think very hard to statistically measure with our current statistics. But nonetheless, what we have available, uh, defensive box plus minus, he's finally broken even at a dead zero. He was negative the first few years of his career. This year, he's a neutral zero. And in terms of defensive rating, he's averaging 110 this year, which reflects a steady decrease in defensive rating from his rookie season, which, remember again, defensive rating lower is better because that means your opponent's scoring less points. I just bring these two up to say that, along with watching it as well, like, yes, he is still being targeted, but... But it's just not being as effective for opposing offenses to target hero as it has been in years past, which I think reflects him becoming close to that neutral defender we've always hoped would be the next step for him on that end of the court. And then offensively, he just still continued to improve. Offensive box plus minus uh, has gone from negative at when he was a rookie to now a plus two point nine, which, if you include his defensive blocks plus minus is zero, zero plus 2.9, his box plus minus is now career high 2.9. Offensive rating has continued to improve. It's now up to 111. So this year reflects the first year that he is positive in total net rating. Offensive rating 111, defensive rating 110, net rating plus one. And he's continued to improve as a shooter. Uh, the shooting splits I mentioned earlier, 46 from the field, 41 from three-point line, 90 from the free-throw line, those are all career highs <laughs> in terms of percentage. So obviously his true shooting percentage, which is based off of those three, also career high, almost 60%, which is like an elite number to, uh, to be 60-plus percent for true shooting percentage. And it should be mentioned that all these improvements right here have also come when Hero has has graduated from playing mainly bench units to mainly playing starting units this year as a starter. So even, like, if, if he was in the same role as last year, you could argue that his improvements would look even better because he'd be going up against lesser players. So improvements against better competition, therefore doubly improved player is what I'm trying to get at there. So a number of improvements of Tyler Hero. But I didn't mention improvements earlier. I mentioned that the key for him is going to be finding that balance between being the floor spacer and being the on-ball threat. So and for that I look at his percentage of three pointers made that are assisted on. I mentioned this a few weeks earlier. Prior, when we were looking at the uh, quarter season evaluations, and at the time, the percentage of his three-pointers made that were assisted on was 40%. So, you know, every four out of ten three-pointers that Tyler Hero made was somebody passing him the ball and him getting that off of that assist, which was a steep drop from his career, which had been usually in the 70 to 80% range for the first um, few years of his career, reflecting that he was primarily a catch-and-shoot threat from three. This year, I understand he got to the starting unit. He wanted to show that he had that pull-up three threat to try to get defenses to hone in on it. The problem, as I mentioned a few weeks prior, is how that can kind of give the defense Uh, an easy way out where if I'm a defender and I know that you're not really too much of a catch and shoot threat, you're more of a pull up from three threat. Well, then I can sag off of you. And even if somebody passed you the ball, I know I have the time to make up because you're not going to catch and shoot. You're going to try to dribble around or do something. And that'll give me the time I need to get back up on you. And now you sure you can now do your pull up three, but it's going to be a much tougher shot because I'm going to be closed in on you. I think that Dilemma right there is what was being limiting not only for Tyler Hero's scoring potential, but for the, st- the offensive efficiency potential of that starting lineup, because the reason why Hero wasn't in that starting lineup swap before and it was mainly, you know, your Duncan Robinson and your Max Drews is because they were catching shoot threats you could put the ball in Jimmy and Bam's hand and have Struess or Duncan kind of floating around them, and defenses had to keep a guy on them in case Jimmy or Bam kicked it out to them. If Tyler Hero is not providing that spacing threat, well, then defenses can collapse on Jimmy and Bam in the paint much easier, and they would have the time to recover out to Hero. If he instead does like what he's done for the last week... Where if you look at the last week, uh, seven of his nine threes in the Thunder game were assisted on, six of ten in the Rockets game, all three from the Spurs game, that's being a catch-and-shoot threat. That's going to keep the defenses pulled out and keep a guy up on you. That's going to give, therefore, more room for Jimmy and Bam to operate. That's why Duncan and Struess were in those roles previously and I think has been one of the things that Hero has struggled to do properly um, as a starter in what should be a similar-ish role as well. Which isn't to say that he has to completely strip everything away from his game to do that role, but he has to find a balance, because there has to be that spacing for Jimmy and Bam to operate in, and he is the best source of that spacing as a catch-and-shoot threat. Hero has talked before about how it doesn't quite have the same feel for him to do catch-and-shoot. He likes to have uh like to come off the dribble essentially and i think where he's done a good compromise with this is kind of the the one dribble relocate uh skill where defender comes flying out you just do one dribble to the side to get the defender go fly past you and then shoot that still counts as an assist uh just because it's one dribble and still provides that space because now i as a defender like i can't sag off Tyler Hero 'Cause if I try to close out, he could just one dribble escape to the right or to the left. I don't know which way he's gonna go. It's kinda like kinda like in soccer, uh, when you're a keeper guarding a penalty kick. You don't know which way they're gonna go, so in well in basketball terms, you would just stay up on Tyler Hero, which means you're not close to the paint, so Jimmy and Bam can do their thing. It's all synergistic. But it's also something that maybe this is also a little bit of a growing pain's thing where Hero having to learn how to tone it back a little bit, especially from like the two-point range because, again, Jimmy and Bam are going to be primarily operating inside the three-point line. And that reflects in the fact that his two-point attempts are down from last year when he was primarily being the guy running the bench. And because of that, though, his three-point attempt rates have gone up. He's about 50% of his shots are from the three-point range now. And of the percentage of three pointers made that are assisted on, he has gotten that percentage from 40% earlier, like two weeks ago, to 58%. So a little bit closer to uh, like the 70% that his, his career average is at. I think he should be somewhere around, like I've mentioned before, like 55 to 60%. So he's right about where I, I would say I want him to be at. And now it's really about maintaining that balance, like the last week was an example of where that balance works out really well. Even in a relatively quiet game for Hero uh, against the Spurs, he sc- still scored 21 points and provided spacing with three three-pointers that were assisted on. And then there are games like the Rockets and the Thunder where he just goes off for you know 30-plus points. Space the floor, let the points come easy, keep the energy for defense in late-game situations. That's how Tyler Hero breaks out into an all-star level player. So a bit of a long answer to that first question, but now the second question. What does that mean for the Heat, As and are they actually turning the corner into an elite team? This one's also a bit of a maybe. It's really about if they can start putting these pieces together against better competition. It's not to throw any shade at the Pacers. I do think that they are defying expectations and look like a playing-level team this year. But the rest of the games in this one streak, when we talked about it la- this last week. They, they had to win all three of these games. It was the three worst teams in the West. Like, if you're struggling to beat these teams, uh, you're in some serious trouble. And to a degree, they did struggle against these teams. Like, they blew leads in early in the spurs uh and then halfway through for like the thunder and the rockets like the thunder one was especially egregious. they had a 21 point lead at one point and they blew that but on the other hand they did still win the games so you got to give them some credit for that but then conversely why were you in trouble in the first place well counter argument well the heat rested a lot of players right they did not have a single night where they had their full starting lineup for this last week, either Butler was out, or Lowry was out. Uh, Bam missed a game too, and then some players missing from the bench as well, like Vincent, for example, still still being out. So the point here is like you can do a little bit of back and forth about how how much this last week actually mean meant, right? Like to beat teams you're supposed to beat's a good sign. But you, it at least indicates that the floor seems pretty high if you can rest a few players and still eke out wins against these. Because these are still NBA teams with NBA players. Like, you can't, <laughs> can't discredit them. There are 450 of these jobs in the world. Those players on the Spurs, Rockets, and Thunder are part of that 450. Conversely, they are still amongst the worst-ranked teams in the league. So you can't necessarily say that the ceiling seems very high. I will split the difference and say, you know, hey, it was a very, it's a good sign that they were able to take care of these teams while still missing key players. The hope now is that this extra rest in December will help key players like Butler and Lowry and Bam, uh, you know, play against these tougher competitions and pick up, you know, Maybe, for lack of a better term, better quality wins uh, as we go through the rest of the month and then into January as as we face tougher competition. I will say, though, having Hero play at this level definitely helps, especially once we get healthy. That makes it a little bit easier for Kyle Lauer to have his driving lanes, for Jimmy and Bam to have space to operate, or it means Tyler Hero just continuing to go off until defenses learn to adjust. At the very least, it should improve Miami's offensive rating, which for reference is currently sitting at 26th in the league, Uh, still 7th, top 10 in defensive rating, 19th in net rating. The net rating does continue to trend upward, which is a good sign, but is mainly being pulled up by the defense, obviously, whereas the offense has struggled. So if Hira has this balance and can help improve the offensive efficiency... I mean, just getting it out of the 20s into the 10s is would be a drastic improvement for this team. It would also help if, you know, some of Miami's other shooters like Strews, Vincent, Robinson could regress closer to their, you know, career averages and shoot a little better from three as well. But for the starting lineup, that spacing, that three-point shooting is coming from Tyler Hero. So that's why I hope it would, it would improve it a little bit. Overall, though, I think you have to say this Heat team is trending in the right direction. Again, getting over five hundred for the first time all season. They were either losing or they had, like, one or two moments where they tied. That was it. Finally getting on the right side of that. They're moving a little bit in the standings. I'm still going to withhold the in-depth standing talks for another few weeks, but just to say that like right now they're hanging around like a 7-6 seed if the playoffs were to start today, but we're not even halfway through the season, which is why I say not to worry about it. Most important right now is trending in the right direction and getting over 500. So for reference, I have used the 2020 to 2021 season several times. So I wanted to, just because it was a little bit similar where deep playoff run kind of a collapse due to injuries at the end, sluggish start the following season. And I wanted to just see how that season started in terms of like, when did Miami get over 500 in that season? So in the 2020 to 2021 season, they did not break 500 until game 37, which for reference in that season as well, um, that was not a full 82 game season. It was a 72 game season. So it was game 37 of 72 games. So a little bit over halfway through the season. Miami got over 500 in 31 games, so less games in a longer season. Uh, you know, Just to say that, hey, maybe this isn't quite as doom and gloom as that 2020 to 2021 season uh, ended up being. So fantastic. I'll take that. If there's one thing that is against Miami, though, it's remaining strength of schedule. So I looked up several sites and... Like via like Tankathon or um, I think it was like ESPN for, for one of them. Essentially, all of them have Miami as a top five ish in terms of toughest remaining strength of schedule. So the rest of the games going to be very tough. And then, now this is skewed because they just had three of their easiest games against the three lowest ranked teams because that's traditionally how strength of schedule is determined is winning percentage of opposing teams, but. Conversely, to say that when we were talking earlier about, you know, is, are the Heat becoming an elite team? Well, maybe they got to do it against tougher competition. That tougher competition's coming up. So, to close out this episode, let's look ahead towards the next uh, week of games. So, like I mentioned, Miami finished up their road trip last week. They will now start a four game homestand of games on Tuesday, Friday, next Monday. And then the end of the homestand will be the following Wednesday, which I'll go that into that game more specific uh, for next week's spot. But first up is tonight hosting the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls currently 11th in the East, overall record 11-18. and 18. They've won only three out of their last ten and are currently on a four-game losing streak. This legitimately looks like a team that is just not heading in the right direction. They look about ready to, to blow it up. Um, from all the reporting that I've seen. Uh, literally, as I was doing the prep for this podcast, there was a notification that popped up talking about how like Zach, their star, Zach Levine, is not looking, not seeing eye-to-eye with the front office. So, obviously, that's not a good sign as well. Mainly just saying this all to say that this is a team that, for lack of a better term, can be taken advantage of because of the way that their season is going. In addition, Lonzo Ball out for them. Uh, it's one of their best perimeter defenders, so that means Alex Caruso will have to either pick one of Jimmy Butler or tie the hero, so I would expect that the other one go off a little bit, right? Like, if he's mainly sticking to hero because hero's been hot lately, well, then Jimmy Butler go play bully ball, and hero be more the distributor. Or if it's vice versa, well, shoot, hero, go cook, while Caruso sticks around on Butler. I would think that the matchup would probably be a little bit easier to have Caruso On a hero, just the physicality matches up a bit better. Not that Caruso's weak by any uh, measure, but you know Jimmy Butler has a little bit size and power advantage, so I think the Bulls would be better suited for that. So maybe expect more of a big Jimmy or a Bam night. But overall, I'd say definitely winnable game. Then up next, the Heat will host the Indiana Pacers. Hey, we saw them recently Uh, this Friday. Pacers currently ninth in the East overall record of 15-16 so just under 500 they've, like the Bulls, only won 3 of their last 10 and are currently on a 2 game losing streak no significant injuries for the Pacers however, so the, the Pacers like I mentioned a little bit earlier um, they've had I do think they're a good team, I think they're a play and level team, but I think so far in terms of the season up to this point, they've had a little bit of an over like they were up there at top of the East for a little bit. And then, like I mentioned, three, won three of their last 10, so they're starting to drop because of that. Uh, maybe just coming back to Earth. But I think they're about near bottom level for them, uh, just to say that, like again, I think they're a good team. So don't take them uh, as lightly or as the bottom-dwelling team like I had thought that they would be uh, at the start of the season. I was just proven wrong there. This is a team that has played Miami pretty well through two games so far. The last game, obviously, did a little over a week ago, and was just, the, again, the, the Rock 587-82, but was still a game that the Pacers were in, so I expect this one to be a close affair as well, but I'm leaning more towards Miami just because of the, the general feeling that the Pacers coming back towards Earth, and you know this being <laughs> at the Heat Arena, and please, just, just score more than 87 points. And last game on the list, uh, next Monday, the Heat hosting the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves currently 8th in the West, overall record 16-15. They've won 6 of their last 10 and are currently on a 3-game win streak. Big thing for them, Car uh, Anthony Towns will be out. Uh, he's listed at the end of November, out for 4-6 to six weeks, so that should obviously cover next Monday. Oh, that'll also be the day after Christmas, so happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Um, and then Rudy Gobert, also nursing an ankle injury for the Wolves. Doesn't say that he'll be out for the Heat next Monday, but just something to keep an eye on because, you know, Gobert's a big guy and any lower body injury for big guys, you want to typically keep a little bit of an eye out for. For now, though, I'm going to assume that Gobert will be out there, in which case the big thing there is, will just be how they're going to keep the paint locked down. With Carl anthony Towns out, they're probably going to go more... I would think more perimeter defense since they won't have Cat's offense and then just try to be more of a defensive team until uh, Cat comes back. So if if Gobert's out there, he will probably have the paint locked down, so the Heat would probably need to rely more on either three-point shooting or maybe trying to pull Gobert out into pick-and-rolls. Like I'm kind of interested to see how Gobert would defend a Tyler Hero-Bam pick-and-roll, whether he would try to come out Onto Hero, uh, just because maybe he thinks he athletically he can keep up with him, but which could be a good opportunity for Hero to, to show off a little bit more as well. We'll have to see. I mean, they have won six of their last ten, and at least a majority of those games, if not all of them, have come with Carl Anthony Towns out. Just to, just to say that like they haven't completely cratered since losing him. Which, well, that was kind of a janky uh, matchup to begin with in that front court with the two of them. So I wonder if this could be a little Ewing theory, like addition by subtraction. So I would say of of the games for next week, this Wolves game is probably the biggest chance that Miami loses, also because the Wolves tend to play Miami really well, whether that's leftover resentment from the way Butler forced his way out or just something stylistically I haven't caught up on yet but the wolves typically play the heat very well and usually a lot of that's coming from carl anthony towns so he won't be there so maybe that tilts things more in miami's favor i don't know it's definitely still a winnable game for miami it's just the one that has the highest chance of them potentially losing i think after the wolves though the heat will finish off their homestand hosting the los Angeles lakers that will be next wednesday though so i'll preview that game on next week's pod Overall, this this is a week that I think we can at least extend the win streak to five, maybe six. Hopefully that Pacers game goes our way. And then, depending on how that Wolves game to go, there is the potential for this to be a seven-game win streak by the time we talk next week. And then we're really cooking. So I think the big things to look forward for this week, one, is, is tougher competition. Two, hopefully it means that we are playing our full starting lineup. Which then three means, how does Tyler Hero play this next week? Does he continue the hot streak? Or does he struggle to maintain that balance, lean more too much into his own offense, to the detriment of the offense as a whole? But for now, I do thank you for hanging around. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at heatersheating Heating on Twitter, and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also, check out the other great pods we have off Twitter, at OTGBasketball. Always include links for everything in the show notes if you're interested. Wishing everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you end up celebrating around this time of the year. Just hope it's enjoyable with friends and family. I'll be back next week. Until then, I hope you all have a good one. Heat Nation.